0: Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of LifeHouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. But today, like I said, we're gonna be talking about it, turn to to someone and say, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Now turn to your second choice, your second option. Say, I'm sorry, you're my second option. But let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. So I want to give a few caveats as we begin this series. Let's talk about it. First off, these messages go hand in hand hand okay so this is going to be a 5 week series and it's basically it's it's basically going to be like a 3 hour sermon cut into five different parts. So if if there's a Sunday that you cannot be here, you want to make sure that you grab the podcast. You can do that iTunes. You can also do that on SoundCloud. Just type in Lifehouse Newport News and grab the podcast if you cannot be here. Secondly, if you have friends or family that could use this series, this is the perfect series to bring family, friends, frenemies, enemies, whatever they are to you. Um, If they are having relationship Marriage, if they need help in that area, this is the perfect series for them. So bring them with you. Thirdly, doesn't matter where you are, this series is for you. Some of you might say, Well, I'm single. I don't need no man. I'm good. Like, all I need is Jesus. Jesus is my husband. You know, it's just like, you know, you might say, Oh, great, marriage talk. Well, do you know what? The point is, God might speak to you to speak through you. There might be something that God will speak to you that maybe might not be about you, but God will speak it through you to someone else that needs it. You might have friends. They might be having marriage issues, and there might be something that we say here that are like, hey, my stuttering pastor said this. You should do this, right? So it's like, take something that I say, and if it doesn't apply to you, take it. You know what? God might speak through you to somebody else. All right, fourthly, anything I say in this series, get this, is not intended to bring shame, guilt, or condemnation. We don't play that at this church. Why? Because those are tools of Satan. And shame, guilt, and condemnation does not bring change in people's lives. It doesn't. Those are tools the devil will use to beat you down. Scripture says, says things clearly like there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Jesus is not about bringing you shame Jesus is about bringing you freedom and that is our desire in this church one of our core values is we want to help you do four things know Jesus find freedom discover your purpose and make a difference and so in this series we want to help you find freedom we want to help you find God's purpose in the area of love dating sex relationships singleness we want to help you find freedom in it got it All right, first off, this matters, y'all. It matters. It matters to you. I know it does. Because I know, here's a moment. I could talk about the seven bowls of wrath in Revelation. Some of y'all are like, there's seven bowls of wrath in Revelation? Yeah, that's fine. We'll get there one day, okay? Um, I could talk about how the Old Testament tabernacle, how each part of the tabernacle points towards Christ. And those are all good things. And probably someday we will talk about those things. But at the same time, this series is going to be extremely practical. It's going to be extremely practical because it matters in your life. Love and dating, relationships, marriage, sex. Is it okay if I say sex in church? Like, I always feel like whenever I say it, people like judging me or people looking at me like, oh my God, he said the S word in church. Can we just all take a deep breath and and, and we're just going to be... Okay, he's a little too happy about it. Y'all might need to go and practice this message. <laughs> you guys are married though, right? Okay. <laughs> but it's like, here's the bottom. Like we need to take a deep breath and know this stuff matters. Because I know this. In your life, some of your, the greatest points of pleasure and some of the greatest points of pain have been in the area of it. Marriage, dating, relationships, sex, love, those different areas. It You know there's power in it you know how much it matters and how much it affects you. It matters. But it doesn't just matter to us. It matters to God. We see in Scripture, man, God is about human relationships. God, marriage matters to God. Sex, your sex life matters to God. Your love life matters to God. See, what we can't do is... We, we cannot compartmentalize our lives with Jesus. Because what we like to do, and what I've seen in church many, many times, is you've got, like your, lo- you've got your it life, your love, relationships, marriage, and stuff over here. And then you've got your Jesus life over here. And it's, it's like you like to keep the two things separate. Jesus don't need to be in my love life. I go to church. I do my thing. I get my worship on. I get my bible reading in. I do my thing. But we we can't have this whole you got your Jesus life and then you've got your it life. Because following Jesus, it's not like you give him a piece of you. It's not like a I give him this piece of my life and I don't give him this part. No, when you follow Jesus, think of it in this terminology of poker. I'm not I'm not Saying to play poker, but if you do and you win a lot of money, just tithe and Jesus will love you and we'll, and we'll be honest. <laughs> but think about poker where it's like each one of those pieces is like, you know, let's say you've got five red chips and five blue and five white. Like all of those chips are like symbolize a piece of your life. Whenever you follow Jesus, you've probably heard this term all in and poker. Following Jesus is basically essentially saying, you're taking every area of your life, taking all the chips, putting them in, stacking them up, and saying, Jesus, I need you to help me. I give my life, I give every area of my life to you. I need you to help me see things from your viewpoint. And what does that do? It keeps us from just compartmentalizing our faith to being, well, I got my Jesus life, and I got my sex life. Now, Jesus needs to be in your sex life. Jesus needs to be in your marriage. Jesus, like the way Jesus is calling you to live and think, Jesus has to reside and take over there. But y'all, let's just be honest, man. We live in a culture that, that like, there couldn't be anything more different than what the culture believes and what the church teaches and what the church, pre- or of what scripture tells us about sex, love, and marriage. I mean, polar opposites. Polar opposites. Like, think about love, right? Like in our culture, we love everything. Tacos. Amen. I'd love some tacos right now. Praise the Lord. We're we're just going to end this message a little early. Just lift your hands. I'm just kidding. Tacos, we love, you know, football. We love makeup. You know, we we love a certain style of clothing. And it's like we use that word love so much, like we don't even know what it means no more. It's just like there's some generic, vague term that just means we sort of like something a little bit. Would you die for the ja- Would I die for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Heck, no, they're terrible. Like would I die for tacos? No. Like I don't know. If it's a good taco. But it's like would I like when we say love, like we just say love like just we throw it out there like it's just a whatever. But when you see what love is in in Scripture, in 1 John 3, 16, it says this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us. So what love is in Scripture is actually a selfless, sacrificial love that you give yourself for the good of somebody instead of just saying love in our culture is that person pleases me, so I'm going to like them. But when they stop doing things that please me, well, sorry, I don't love you no more. It's polar opposites. Think about marriage in our culture. Like marriage is now like a business contract. Like, all right, here's the terms of the agreement. If you agree, sign and date. You know, and it's like we've got this business contract that we're like, this is your job description. And, if, and it's almost like if you don't meet the requirements of this job, the business deal is broken, and you can get out of the business deal. Right. And it's kind of like a, oh, oh, okay, so, but I don't know if y'all know, marriage isn't like that in the Bible. Right. Marriage isn't a contract, it's a covenant. Yeah. A covenant saying you stand before not just that person. See, we get messed up thinking that marriage is only between two two parties it's between three parties it's not just you and the other person it's between you god and the other person and whenever you say something like i give my life to you aren't just saying that to that person you're saying it in the presence of a mighty and holy god that created marriage to be a covenantal relationship that shows to the world honestly what the relationship is from christ to us it's a symbolic thing. It's a covenantal thing that can't just be, well, I don't feel it today, so pfft, I'm just going to leave it. Oh, you know what? I just don't love her no more. I, I, you know, it's just not working. No, a covenantal relationship is you are not in it to be pleased. You are in it to be a servant. How can I make their life better? And that's why I say this all the time. Married couples, your first love cannot be that person. Your first love has got to be Jesus. Because his love for you fuels the love that you're called to have for your partner. Because if you deify your partner as being this perfect, oh, they complete me. No, they don't. They shouldn't. God should complete you And now because God loves and serves you, you now no longer need that person just to fill some sort of need in you because God has already met that need. So now you can love and serve them without an agenda of trying to get something from them because you've had your need met by the almighty God. Do y'all see the switch where it's like the culture is like, they complete you. It's one person in in this world for everybody. Just find them. Find a sabbatarius or Sagittarius, or I have no earthly clue, a, tab, a Tiberius tiger, like what, what do they call them things now, like Scorpios or whatever, just find a Scorpio, it fits you bro, it's like come on y'all, you could find the perfect Tiberius tiger and Scorpio, but if you're still selfish, it's not going to work, right, Okay, but think about sex, right? Our culture thinks of sex as like whatever goes, dude. You meet someone, you say hi, you have sex, you cook bacon, and you go do that with someone else, right? It's like you go, you hook up, you, find, you just like hook up, shack up, break up, and it's just kind of like it's something you do. You're just an animal, and just you just go and just do your animal-like instincts, a bunch of different people, no control, just just do do you, boo-boo, right? It's like go and do it. Just go and whatever feels good. (laughs) What? I was like, I I wasn't that funny. I know, I know that. You're fired. I'm kidding. (laughs) But we treat sex as just being whatever, whenever, like it doesn't affect us. We like to make that like, yeah, it just doesn't affect us. But here's the thing you can have contraceptives, you can have sexual protection on physical parts, but you can't protect the spiritual and emotional part of you. You can put a condom on certain areas, but you can't put a condom on your heart. You can't put a condom on your spirit. You can't put a condom on your emotions. You know they matter, they matter. You know, it, it, it's, so, I mean, it's just so different, culture and Christ-like, right? Like, everyone, you know, Kristen and I, thankfully, we made it. We did not have sex until we got married. Whenever I tell people that, people look at me like I won the Olympic sport. Like, I came in first place in some, like, Olympic sport. They look at me like I've got five heads. And what I'm saying is, it's like, yo, it was difficult. Yes, it was difficult, but it's possible, it's difficult to stay sexually pure in this culture that just throws on you sex is for you, sex is all about you, just do it if it feels good, it doesn't matter how many partners you have, just do it. It's hard in this culture with, with, with pornography, it's a $16 billion, you know, you know that pornography grosses more than the NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, and National Hockey League combined? The national pastime is not baseball, right now it's pornography almost one out of every 3 words search for on the internet on the internet is for some sort of sex so we can we can act like this does not affect us but your statistics say and tell me it does people in this room you struggle with that people in this room your relationship is on the brink of of divorce you you are searching for somebody and and and, and you can't find them and you're single and you just think this singleness that you've got is purgatory, that God has put in your life because of something that you've done. We've got all sorts of crazy jacked up mindsets in regards to it. And the worst thing that we can do is act like it doesn't exist. When we need to invite God into these areas of our lives and stop compartmentalizing and invite him into these areas where it matters to him. It matters to him, church. And like I said, this is not about guilt. This is not about shame. This is not about condemnation. For you, church fam, this is about freedom. This is about freedom. We want to see you free. But we can't separate. We cannot say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life, and then say, stay out of my it life. We can't do it. God is to be in it because God's the author of it. You can't kick the author out and follow the author. You've got to let the author in Genesis chapter 3, we can see before there was sin, before Adam and, and Eve did their thing, there was God had this creative order. You can see that it started off with God creating man. And then he gave him a job. And then he gave him a woman. And then they were fruitful and multiplied. So view that order. Man gets job. So man can provide income. And then you get a woman, so you can take care of her. And Siri, be quiet. And then goes from there into intimacy. It was man, job, woman, marriage, intimacy. There was a creative order, and then what, what we see, immediately after that sin comes on the scene in Genesis three. Where we see a certain snake, whatever it was, came and tempted Eve, and said, "What God said, he, he did. He really say that? Nah, God's trying to hold something back from from you. God's trying to hold something back from you. Oh, uh, you know, you know what God? You know what God? He's he's trying to hold something. But you know what God? It just knows if you eat eat that, you're going to be like him. The devil lied. The devil lied, and those same lies are still being used now, y'all. The devil hasn't changed tac- tactics. It's the whole thing of." First off, he lies to you, or, or he kind of takes the truth and twists it. Second, secondly, he'll say, God's trying to hold something out from you. I'm thinking of how many people said, are you serious? You're going to wait for six? You wouldn't test drive a car without trying it out, would you? Right, it's like, I wouldn't buy a car without test, test driving it. I'm not going to get a wife without test driving her. Are you kidding me? When it's like, you know what, y'all? That is not unconditional love. That's called conditional love. If you're this, then I'll be this. If you're this, then then I'll love you. That's building on the wrong foundation. That's not covenantal love. That's called contractual love. Right? But Satan, he goes and he brings these these lies to us, thinking that this is the best way. But what we see is we all come to this thing broken. Because of sin, we all come to this thing broken. We all have this view that is skewed where we see things from a perspective of just kind of our feelings, our proclivities, what culture says, and we've got to, instead of being driven by all of those outside forces, as Christ followers, all of that shifts to where now what shapes what we think about it isn't what culture says, isn't what our proclivities are, isn't what preferences are, isn't what science says. It now goes to what does God say about it, and what does he say about me? There's got to be a shift. Because sin skews us. Here's the thing. I could go in and talk about a bunch of different issues. I could talk to you about, about sexuality issues, divorce issues, porn issues, sexual abuse issues, sex trafficking issues, rape issues, adultery issues, teen pregnancy issues, STI issues. I could just talk to you about all of this stuff. But, you know, that is all the fruit of the root. And the root is called Sin. And sin, I know it's a churchy word, and some of y'all, when you hear that word sin, you just think of an old Baptist preacher looking over you, and he's got eyebrows to go down, covering his eyes up, and he's just looking at you, telling you how bad you are, and how much of a sinner you are. Let me just break down sin of what that actually—what it actually is. It, it is you telling God, I'm good, I don't need you, I'm going to do me, boo-boo. sure they're going to put that up. <laughs> put it up, laugh, I know it's coming. But that's, that's what sin is. Sin is ultimately saying, I'm going to do what I want to do. God, thanks for your input, but I'm good. And I believe that that is the root issue many times of what we find in this it issues. It's not all of these other issues. It is a sin issue. It is a proclivity inside of you to want to do the exact opposite of what God wants. And we've got to dig in and examine the sin issue before we deal with the it issue. Because if we just deal with the it issue will be dealing with the fruit and not the root. And our issues have a root, but many times we deal with the fruit. I've got a porn issue. Okay, that is a fruit of a root inside of, of you that says, I am going to put an image over what God says. And, and we, we've got to examine and get down to the root in sin is the root, and, and y'all, this is, the, the, let me just tell you the good news of Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus came. Jesus came to deal with your biggest, his greatest purpose meets your deepest need. Your deepest need is not better counseling. Your deepest need is that you need a Savior is that because of your sin, And Scripture tells us clearly, we have all turned our backs on God and done our own thing. We have a sinful nature, is what Scripture calls it, where we have this innate proclivity to want to do the opposite of what God wants. But Jesus came for the exact purpose. He came and died on the cross in your place and for your sin, for the direct purpose of dealing with the sin issue that you have. Ephesians tells us this. Paul, he wrote this letter he said this as for you when he's talking to the church he's speaking to us today he said as for you you were dead everyone say dead didn't say you were a bad person didn't say oh, you, oh little Johnny he was this bad you know what he says he said as for you you were dead in your sins you weren't just a bad person we, we, we've, we've got to stop saying well good and bad people scripture says we're, we're, we're all bad we all need help welcome to Life House. we love you like, we're all bad. But he says that badness leads to a spiritual death and, and, and basically this gap between us and God. And the, with that gap, we were dead in our sins and transgressions in which the ways we used to live when he followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. It says, all of us who lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, Right? We were deserving to be apart from God, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive. Everyone say alive. alive. Alive with Christ. Even when you were dead in your transgressions, you were doing what you wanted to do. You were made alive, and it is by grace, grace meaning something you could not earn, you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming age he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. This is so good, y'all. Why? Because we have a sin issue. Jesus came and lived a perfect sinless life and died in your place and for your sin because of your sin issue but the thing is death could not hold jesus down why because jesus was sinless so jesus rose from from death that's why we celebrate what easter right we celebrate that why because jesus overcame satan sin and death and now lives a resurrected life that now because he did what we could not do he gives us what we could not earn So he gives us now the power to live a resurrected new life in Christ that lives for his glory instead of our preference and our pleasure. And he puts in us the Holy Spirit to help us live this kind of life. Jesus comes and deals with the root, y'all. And your root issue is you need a savior. Your root issue is that you need to turn from your sin. Now, Jesus came and said this. The first thing Jesus said whenever he started his public ministry was this word, repent. Was this word, repent. And I know a lot of you, that's a churchy word. Repent. And we can think it just simply means feeling remorseful. Feeling sorry for Which that's a small part of it. But actually what this word means in the Greek language, it, the, the word actually means this. It means to rethink. So Jesus actually came on the scene and Jesus was like, Rethink everything. Rethink everything. And like I said, whenever we look at our lives as being these, these poker chips, and each of those poker chips represent a piece of us, our sexuality, our money, our emotional life, our it life, our marriage, all of of these things, whenever whenever we repent, we're taking those things and sliding them to the center and saying, Jesus, I need you to help me rethink all of these areas from your point of view. God, I repent of how I've thought. I repent of what I've done. Now, I need you to help me rethink. And y'all, that is what true repentance is is it helps us to rethink these it areas in light of what God says, in light of what culture tells us, in light of what our feelings tell us, in light of what our proclivities are. It says, Jesus, help us to rethink everything from your view. But you're the author. You need to have an input. Jesus, help me to rethink. But like I said many times, we want to compartmentalize. Why? Because we like Jesus being Savior, but we don't like him being Lord. Because when, when Jesus is Savior, we celebrated what he did on the cross for us. But when he's Lord, we give him access in, in our lives to have authority in what is right and what is wrong. And you know, many of us enjoy the fact Jesus died on the cross in my place and for my sins. Praise the Lord. I celebrate that. But how many people celebrate and give Jesus access to your daily lives and how you think and how you act and what you do in regards to your it life? And I, and I believe that before we go into any deep-rooted issues, before we go into next week, we're going to be speaking about sex specifically. Don't let it scare, scare you. It's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. Bring some people with you. We're going to have fun in church. And then we're going to be speak, speaking specifically the two weeks after that, marriage-wise. It's going to be really, really helpful. We're going to get into some of these specific issues. But at the same time, I felt led today to, a, to, to, to dive into the root, which is... We need to put ourselves in the middle and say, Jesus, I give you access. I appreciate the fact that you're Savior, but I give you access in my life to have the authority of God to speak to me and to show me and to tell me what areas of my life need to be looked at. Right? Don't just let Jesus be Savior. Let him be Lord. So, briefly, as we close... I just want to give you a few scripture verses that, that really I believe challenge us to view this thought of who rules your life? Who is over your life? Who who is who who is who's in control? Romans chapter 12, verse number one says this. This is Paul. Um, Paul here writing. And Paul, he was a church planner, and Paul, he would go and plant churches in different cities. And then churches, they would have questions. And so Paul, he would actually write letters to these churches addressing their questions. And Paul, he wrote this incredible letter to the church in Rome. Just imagine writing a church, writing a letter to the church in Rome. Can you imagine the culture that church was in? Just think about Roman culture the idolatry, the sexual promiscuity. And the church is right in the midst of all that stuff. And the church is, is, is thriving and growing even in the midst of that culture. But Paul here, he says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. I can't say that without saying it like, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. I don't know why, it's just, that's just the way that I hear it. <laughs> I beseech you, essentially saying, I implore you, I beg you, I plead with you. Therefore, basically saying, and we said this last week, what is the therefore? Therefore. What is the therefore? Therefore, when you see the word therefore, you have to ask what it is therefore, and typically what it is therefore points back to what was said previously. So you can see in this book that you have got, Romans chapter 1 to Romans 11, Paul like lays out step by step the beauty of the gospel, how we were in our sin. Well, do you, and, and you've probably heard this, the Roman's road, where it talks about for all of sin to fall short of the glory of God, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Where if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised you from the you will be saved. There's therefore now, no condemnation for those who, are like Paul just lays out this incredible thread of what the gospel is and what he does now. He says, therefore, in light of everything I've just wrote about the gospel, in light of everything you've just heard me lay out in the beauty of what the gospel is and how good God, God is to us, he says, therefore, brethren, people of God, the church, By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God, which is your, what does it say? Reasonable. Reasonable service. Basically saying, church, let me tell you something. I'm going to break this down into the JWV, John Ware version. All right, ready? This is Paul. He's saying to these people, brethren, church, lifehouse, family, In light of how good God's been to you, in light of the fact you were dead, now you're alive, in light of the fact you've been taken from death to life, in light of all of that stuff that God has done for you, let me give you the most logical deduction of what your response should be to the goodness of God. Give your life back to him. Give your life back to him. He's saying, why? Because it's only reasonable. In light of how good God has been to you, the most reasonable response that we can do as human beings is to give our lives back to God. Why? Because of what he's done for us. That's the most logical conclusion that we can do. But then he doesn't stop there. Then he goes into this. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewal of your mind. Repent. Rethink. He's saying don't conform to what culture tells you about stuff. Don't conform. Be transformed by your repentance, by the way that you think. And then you'll renew your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing and perfect will. Basically saying this, then you'll know what God wants from you. But it's got to start with us Putting our chips in. I need to rethink. And then God will take our minds and transform them, change the way we think about God, us, others, and the world. And then He will change what we do by changing what we think. But isn't it so true we conform, man? There's an area that I've seen the church and the world, there's not much differences in the area of marriage, sexuality, dating, and relationships. There's not a whole lot. Of difference, but God is calling us from conforming to transforming. First, uh, actually, let me say this point. The most reasonable response to the gospel is surrender. The most logical, reasonable response that you can do in this building today. And and my prayer is that many of you today, if you've not surrendered your life to God at the end of the service, you... they. they You know, you will. Why? Because you'll see the goodness of God, how much he loves you and cares for you and wants the best for you, and you'll respond by saying, God, I surrender to you. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8, this is a different letter that Paul wrote into the church in Thessalonica. Those long syllable words, boys, stuttering people. (laughs) Long syllable words are the worst. But verse number 3, this is what it says. It says, it is God's will. This is what Paul was saying to this church. It's God's will. So you ever wonder, what's God's will for my life? One thing it says here, it's God's will that you should be sanctified. Sanctified is a big word, meaning the sanctification process of you conforming and being transformed into the image of Christ. So it's saying the process that God takes you from when you first become a Christ follower to when you die, it is the sanctification process that God is working in us through so so many different situations. It says, but it's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. that each of you, get this, should learn to control your own body in a way that is what? Holy and honorable, not in passionate lust, not like a college student, like the people that don't know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. And what he's saying there is basically sexually. You don't just get the right to just take advantage why because the lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before god did not call us to be impure but to live a holy life therefore anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being but god the very god who gives you his holy spirit i can almost see paul right talking cuz this sounds really harsh this kind of sounds like oh man like this is like but do you know what i see paul writing like i see paul writing to his kids in the gospel where he has a heart of a father i've got 3 boys okay and there's times where i got to have heart-to-hearts with with, with my kids. Mostly at night. Because they don't want to go to sleep. And I'm like, mommy and daddy, we want to have some us time. And if you keep making noise, she's not going to think about me. So I need you to be quiet. Just saying. So we go in there and have a little chit chat. Be quiet. Why? If you don't, it's not going to be But, you know, it's, it, the heart is I'm giving them an instruction, and there is a reason behind it. But side, side note, Kristen, Kristen tells me gummy melatonins. Like a stinking month ago. I'm like, you've held this out for how long? We're, we're like, okay, kids, here's your, here's your, here's your nighttime gummies. Hallelujah. <laughs> the Lord is good. Thank you. Hey, I'm this hey. That's a parenting tip right there, parents. You you got a kid that's struggling sleeping, that you want to get some you time? Gummy melatonins. That's a free tip right, right there, okay? We're gonna give those out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're gonna give, give those out. Man, I, I tell you what, everyone be pregnant here. No, I'm, just <laughs> I'm just kidding. Where 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 was I at? Okay. So Basically, Paul is saying, hey, look, like, you need to learn to control your body. You know, you, there's a way that you can learn to control your body in a sexual form, a sexual way, where you don't have to be this creature of just instinct, but just whenever it feels good, you do it. But as a Christ follower, you are called to be controlled. One of the fruits of the Spirit of God in you is actually Self-control that you have the ability to say no for the benefit of that person and for the glory and purpose of God. And you know what? He says learn to control, and I love that, because you've got to know you, guys. You've got to know you, church. You've got to know there's places that you don't need to go because you know it leads you into trouble. You know you'll compromise, there are places that you know you'll go and you'll compromise. There are times of the day, certain environments. There are certain kinds of people that you know if you get with them or it or so that you will compromise. And so you've got to almost scheme. Do you know the devil's scheming against you? He's trying to devise plans. And what I say is you've got to scheme against the devil. You got to scheme. Like you got to know yourself. Know your weaknesses. Know where you. You, you know. Know where, learn. Learn yourself, so you can learn to control and honor God instead of being a creature of instinct. Because being a creature of instinct and whatever feels good. The bottom line is, this, Christ followers are called to be in control, where, where we can say no, but also too, Christ followers are called to stand out. That's. And that's what he says here, that we are called to live holy and honorable. We're to honor each other. Lastly, Second Corinthians 6, verses 18 through 20. And really, I believe here this is the most powerful time or the most powerful scripture here. Worship team, y'all can come up. This is Paul here speaking to the church and Corinth. And the church and Corinth was kind of like Vegas kind of the people the city that people went Corinth what happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. It was like the I mean it it was it was the center of the temple worship of Aphrodite where people would go and there would be temple prostitutes and people would go and worship. I'm like, man, that church probably had crazy attendance. <laughs> Come to Sunday service everybody. <laughs> Lord. But it, it was a sexually debased city. And so you've got the church that started there. And Paul was trying to get into the minds of these new Christians that are trying to figure out what does God think about relation, what does God think about it? And what he says is this here, he says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside of his body, but whoever sins sexually against their own body. But, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? And that's, I believe Paul was speaking that today to you. Do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Like your body houses God, part of the Trinity, who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. This is Paul saying, You are not your own, you were dead. And you were bought back, redeemed through the precious blood of Christ. His body was given to buy you back from death into life. Therefore, don't, why are you going back to death? You were bought with a price, the price of God's one and only son. You know what something's worth by what someone's willing to pay for it. And Jesus gave his son showing you you are worth just as much as one of God's kids. He says you were bought with a price. Therefore, what's the therefore? Therefore, honor God with your body. I believe, church, this is a now word for us. You gotta know you are not an owner of you, you're a steward of you. A steward means you manage. A steward means you manage what has been entrusted to you for the benefit of the one who entrusted you with it. Meaning your body is not your own, your life is not your own, you are a steward of the life that has been given to you by God and you are to steward and manage it, not for your preference or according to your pleasures, but for the benefit of the one that entrusted you with it. And I believe that all starts with us knowing you are not your own, church. Therefore, honor God with our body. As we started this series off, I believe we needed to lay the foundation of saying if we don't give our lives to God and say, God, we repent of the ways that we've thought and the culture, what's culture told us and what I think our preferences are and what we think our proclivities are, like all of these things, and say, God, we give our lives to you, our mind, soul, spirit, heart. We put all the chips in that anything I say after this won't matter because God won't have any authority in your life. And if God's word's gonna hold any weight, it's gonna come when you give him a place. When you give him a place to speak to you. And so I just felt like with this series, we needed to start out and dig into the heart and dig into the motives and see who sits on the throne of your heart. Is it you sitting there with, a, with this king hat on saying, I'm in charge, I rule, do, I do what I want? Or maybe today you need to get off the throne and put Jesus on the throne and make him not just savior, don't just appreciate the fact he died on the cross, but make him Lord of your life. Say, God, I give you room, I give you access into the deep crevices of my heart, thought, mind, whatever, to bring change in my life. I need to repent, rethink, so I can be renewed in a new mind, so I can test and approve what your right and will is. Can we all stand up, church? Basically, we should examine our lives to see is there fruit of Jesus being Lord in my life? and if there is not fruit this is the perfect time before we take communion today for you to get right with God to get your heart right with God to come back into alignment with God with every head bowed every eye closed i just want to ask you maybe today you've you've never asked jesus to be even lord of your life you you've never said jesus i i like i need to not just Like you, I I need to put you on the throne of my heart. Maybe you've been doing your own thing. Maybe you've had a concept of church, a concept of God, but you've never actually made a conscious decision and choice to say yes to Jesus. To say, Jesus, I give my life to you, my heart to you. Like I take all of my chips and put them all in. Right now with every head bowed, every eye closed, just wanna create a time of privacy right now where if you would be honest enough to say, John, I need to make that decision today. All I want you to do, it simply takes you saying yes to Jesus, that's it. Right now, right where you're at, if you know you need to say yes to Jesus, and let him in, give him access to you, put all of your chips in, all I'm gonna ask you to do, you can say it out loud, you can say it silently, whatever you wanna do, but if you wanna do that, I just want you to right now say yes. Just say yes say yes, and I believe if you said yes today, God hears you, he sees you, he saw your yes, and this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna have everyone pray, we're gonna have everyone join in with all of those that said yesterday, whether it was outward, or whether it was under your breath, whatever, and we're just gonna join, join in with you, and we're gonna pray with you and celebrate with you on the decision that you are making today. If everyone would pray this, Jesus, I give you my life. I put all of my chips in. I receive today your love, your forgiveness, and your grace. I will follow you. I give you every part of me. I don't compartmentalize no more. I put all my chips in and I repent. Give me the grace to rethink and take on your viewpoint so I can give you glory and live in the purpose you've given me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. LifeHouse family, we just give it up for all those that said yes to Jesus today? And listen, really, really quick. Thank you again for joining us on the LifeHouse Newport News Podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchinn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.